Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. The guest speaker this morning, Apostle Raul Avila, he said that Michael Kors season is over. And Rolex season kicked in. How many say amen? <laughs> Starting this morning. So get ready for God to do some amazing things in your life. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about purpose in the pain. Purpose in the pain. And I want you to go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 14, a very well-known story. We're going to read quite a lot. Is that okay with you guys? If we read a little bit of the Bible? We ain't got screens today, so I want to see them Bibles brought up. Exodus chapter 14, verse 5 through 30. Is there anybody going through a situation right now that's probably causing pain, discomfort maybe? Raise your hand. Maybe going through a, a challenge of some sort, whether in your family and your finances and your health. There's purpose in that pain. Exodus chapter 14, verse 5 through 30. It says, now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? Why have we let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every single one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued the children of Israel. Everybody say, it was God who hardened Pharaoh's heart. Sometimes God is behind the people that rise up against you, and you don't even know it. But God's just plotting something out that you don't understand. L let, me, let me just continue. I'll get ahead of myself. And then the children of Israel went out with boldness. Verse 9. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, camping by the sea beside pi Harriet before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. For the Egyptians you see, whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. I'm moving on. 15. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord who I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, 
and his horsemen. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus, it was a cloud and darkness to the one, to the Egyptians. But on the other side, it gave light by night to the other the Hebrews, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians, and he took off their chariot wheels. Don't ask me how that happened, but he took off the wheels of their chariots so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots, on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that had come into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. Verse 30. Almost done. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. They started washing up in the shore. Must have been a crazy sight. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. How many give praise to God for this amazing act? This is a powerful story. They've made movies out of it. We've preached sermons, so many of them, about what happened in this place. If you have something to write with, pull it out. I want to give you a few points that we're going to touch upon about this act here because there's a lot that we can learn from this. And there's a lot that God is doing in your life that is similar to what these people went through. The first thing I want you to write is this. Purpose is not always visible. Purpose is not always visible. But problems are visible. You can see the problems. The people of Israel, when they saw the army of the Egyptians coming after them, they thought they were finally free. And all of a sudden, they see them being chased. And they're like, oh, my gosh. And they started complaining. And already, they started murmuring against Moses, saying, why did you bring us here? Did you bring us here because there was no graves in Egypt? I mean, we would have been better off. At least we would have been alive. Now they're going to wipe us out here. I mean, we, we have no weapons. We're just, we have children. What are we going to do here? And they didn't understand the purpose because the purpose is not always visible. You see, you have to be a person of faith to understand purpose. How many people of purpose do we have here? All right. That's why the Bible says that we should never be the type of people that we walk by sight. We should be the type of people that walk by faith. But these people couldn't see it. I guess they were slaves for too long. Maybe there's people here that 
have been slaves to sin or slaves to so many things for too long that you can't see the freedom of God. And when God is putting you through a situation that's probably uncomfortable, all you're focused in seeing the problem in the situation, but you can't see the purpose because the purpose is invisible. The problem is that Pharaoh is chasing them. And if he gets to them, he's going to kill them. Many of us here in JTP Church, we've left who we used to be for who we want to be. But here's the thing. Our past continues chasing us. You see how we can relate to the story? I mean, there might not be the Red Sea and a rod where you're parting it. But sometimes our past continues chasing us and haunting us. But the purpose is in the chase. I want you to tell the person next to you, the purpose is in the chase. Tell the person next to you, there's purpose in your problems. There's purpose in your pain. The fact that you don't know it doesn't mean that there is none. There's purpose in everything that you go through. So here's what we do as people. We're focused and we're always looking at what is happening. But God is different than us. He's not looking at what is happening. He's looking at why he's causing things to happen in our lives. Because he's focused on purpose. You'll never be able to praise him for the what until you look at the why. Tell God to open your eyes and help you understand why he's putting you in that situation because maybe that situation is what you need to get to the place where God wants to take you. And we don't understand it. There's purpose in the chains. We need to get to the point where we trust why it's happening despite not liking what happens. Some of you guys were going through situations. I, I saw your hands through pain situations and relationships. You're going through pain financially. Dif different circumstances that you don't understand. But a person of faith, when you understand who you are, this morning, Apostle Raul said something that's so powerful. Remember when he talked about going into the future and then bringing, right? It was so powerful because if you can just understand who you are and your identity, and that's one of the points I'm going to touch upon today. Once you understand that you are a son of a king, Man, you got everything that you need. Your dad is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So even if you're going through a situation right now, come on, you have your father. He is the healer. He is the provider. He is the prince of peace if you're needing peace. If you're lonely, he is the one who could accompany you and make you feel that he's there for you. I mean, he's got everything you need. And when you have faith and you know who you are in Christ, you're able to do this. You're able to trust why things happening. I trust you, God, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of what I'm going through, I know that everything's in control. Because, Father, nobody can take me from your right hand. I am safe in you. How many say amen? amen. Romans 8.28 says this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Purpose. Purpose is invisible. It's not visible. But when you know that I've been called with a purpose and you're serving God and you're walking in the right direction, man, you're going to go through hell sometime at, at a certain period of time. But when you go through that, I'm trusting that God has my back. He's going to save me from all storms. Even if the Egyptians, even if my past is pursuing me, I know that God is more than able to get me to the other side and safe. How many say Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Give them praise. There is purpose behind everything you are going through in life. But the revelation comes in retrospect. And let me explain a little bit. These people that we talked about here in this story, these are runaway slaves. 
They're runaway slaves. How long had they been enslaved? You guys know. 400 years. So imagine 400 years. I mean, they couldn't go back. Even their grandparents didn't even remember. They were all slaves. They were born into slavery. So now all of a sudden, Moses comes, delivers them. They're running away. They're finally getting their freedom card. And they're runaway slaves. Even if they outran Pharaoh, they would always be runaway slaves. And I'll explain to you why. They'd always be looking over the shoulders to see if Pharaoh was going to come back and get them, right? To see when they'll be caught. Because as long as Pharaoh was chasing them, they would always be slaves. Even if they were no longer oppressed, as long as the oppressor lived, the potential to be oppressed remained, which is oppression within itself. As long as Pharaoh was alive, these people were freaked out saying the day of tomorrow, Pharaoh could turn back and say, you know what? I changed my mind. You guys are going to come back or I'm going to wipe you guys out. And indeed, that's exactly what is happening here in the story that we're reading. You can be set free from the bondage, but still be a prisoner of fear. God can set you free of certain things and you could still be a prisoner of fear, even though God set you free from the bondage. There's a lot of people that have been healed of cancer, but then they're thinking, oh my gosh, but what if it comes back? You see, you've been freed from the bondage, but you're not free from the fear. Maybe I'll get dumped again. Maybe I'll fail making the team if I try out. Maybe I'll, I'll fail starting the business that I have stirring inside of me because you've been set free of the bondage, but you're still captive to fear. There's people sometimes, even in church, that they're afraid of being happy for the fear of it not lasting. They're so used to things going so wrong that when something's going right, they're like, wait a second, uh, something's wrong, something's going wrong here, waiting for something bad to happen because they're so used to living a certain way. Sometimes there's people that are afraid to try new things. I was laughing with Apostle Raul because when I believe it was Carly that was saying, how many of you guys are ready for a new place and ready for a new season? And then she was mentioning about how good these 22 years have been and that we're going to be moving. And some people, you heard the ahs and the, and the oohs and ah, oh, like saying we're moving. I turned to Apostle Avila. I'm like, we got a few melancholic people in this place. And it happens, right? You get so attached to something and God is taking you to something better, but you're, you're so used to this place and you're so used to something negative happening that sometimes you're afraid to try something new. I want you to write this down. As long as you allow Pharaoh to chase you, you will always be a slave. As long as you allow Pharaoh to chase you, you will always be a slave. Maybe you're delivered from the oppressor, but as long as you allow him, as long as you allow the enemy to put doubts in your mind. You'll always be a slave to him and you can't live in the freedom that Jesus came to bring you. How many say amen? So you see how sometimes you can be set free of the bondage, but you're still a slave to fear. You'll never be free to be yourself because your oppressor is chasing you. The enemy tells you, I'm going to bring that addiction back into your life. Yeah, God made me set you free, but it's going to come back to you. You're going to fall. You're going to relapse. That's what's going to happen. How many of you guys have ever had or known people that are very controlling relationships, maybe? Way back in the days, I had an ex-girlfriend, <laughs> and God had Carly prepared for me. I just didn't know it. I was very young back then. I must have been 17, 18. And I remember she told me, no one's going to love you like I love you. <laughs> and I rebuked that in Jesus' name. I said, heck no. 
she had a cycle mom, long story. I don't have time to get into the details, but it wasn't God's will for my life. And God had Carly in store for me. And I wasn't going to let myself be cursed by words of another person. But there's people that are controlled and sometimes they say words to you and they want to curse you. And if you accept it, you know what? You're just falling for the trap of the enemy. You'll never be happy with anyone else, right? And there's people that want to control you. Living with a threat is not living at all. So what does God do? Check it out. I want you to try to envision this, what's going on here with the people of Israel. God takes the people of Israel through the water. They were saved through the water. The Red Sea was a problem or not. When they approached the Red Sea and they saw that the Egyptians were coming with chariots and they were going to wipe them out and these people were cornered and the sea was there. It was a big problem. But sometimes God uses the problems to get you to the other side. So they were saved through the water because their oppressor chased them to the water. Now pay attention to this. Look, look how interesting this is. Everything that was of God came out of the water. But everything that was not of God drowned in the water. There are some things that God takes you through just to destroy what is chasing you. Right? God sometimes takes you to certain situations and puts you, and they're uncomfortable situations. But it's just so that he can weed out everything that's chasing you and so he could put an end to it for good. You can't tell whether it's of God or not. And that's where our emotions come in, right? Oh my gosh, is God in the midst of this? Why does God allow this? And we ask ourselves all these questions. Why am I going through this if I serve God, if I'm doing all the right things? You can't tell whether it's of God or not till you come out of the water and you ain't got it anymore. And that's it. You've been set free and you've been delivered. In Romans chapter 6, verse 7, Paul, I use these verses when it comes to baptism. It says, Romans 6, 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. And I always explain this when we go to baptism, the little class that we give prior to going to the waters. And I explain that baptism is when we submerge the person into the water, that symbolizes death to self. It symbolizes death to the old Jonathan, the Jonathan that wanted to do things his way. That represents burial, death and burial, just like Jesus, right? Jesus gave of himself. He died. He was buried. But then we bring the person back up and that represents resurrection, right? Death, burial, and resurrection. And now we resurrect to live God's life. And sometimes in baptisms, people, when they come up, they're excited. And they're like, woo, they shout. We see it in the pictures. Some people are excited and you could hear them scream. And maybe they're screaming about all the things that they left in the water. Because they were probably going through a, a series of things and battling addictions or battling so many things. But when they understand that when we're going to... The baptism waters, it represents death to oneself, a new life. They're excited about this new beginning in Christ. And I think this is how these people of Israel felt when they came out of the water. And now the oppressor is no longer there. The debt has been paid by death and burial and resurrection. Pharaoh was chasing them because he thought he owned them. But I want you to pay attention to this verse. It's in Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. God told Pharaoh... Through Moses, these words, he said, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. When Moses was sent by God to Pharaoh to tell him, let my people go, that's not all he said. Sometimes we just remember what we saw in the movie. He also added these two words that are so important. 
Let them go because Israel belongs to me. Israel is my son and it is my firstborn. And as a matter of fact, the reason why God brought the last curse or the last plague over Israel was to remind Pharaoh what it feels like to mess with your firstborn. You're not going to let go of my firstborn. I'm going to touch all the firstborn in Egypt. And so you could see how it feels when you've been enslaving my people for 400 years. During Passover, the people of Israel, they had to put blood of the lamb over the doorpost. And the angel of death passed in every single doorpost where there had been a sacrifice already, where evidenced by the blood on the doorpost, the angel of death would just move on. But then in the Egyptians' homes, where there was not the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, all the firstborns of men and all the firstborn of cattle and of animals died. It was a horrific day. So God was saying, he's my son. The same discussion is being had about you. How do we come into this picture? What does this have to do with me? Well, you are God's first son. You see, God doesn't have children and then he has grandchildren. We are all God's firstborn. When Jesus paid the price, he paid the price for all of us at the same level. He didn't pick and choose people because you're cuter or because you're better looking or because you got more money in your pocket. He died for us. We are his prized creation. How many say amen? And when the enemy tries to enslave you with sin, enslave you with pain, enslave you with poverty and all these things that he uses to keep us bound, God also comes and he says, you know, let go my firstborn. He belongs to me. How many say amen? Can you put your arms around somebody and tell them you are God's firstborn? That's why the Bible says that whenever somebody messes with a son of God, whenever somebody messes with you or with me, they're actually poking God's eye. Has anybody here ever gotten their eye poked really bad? Who was it, Hassan Whiteside that got poked the other day? Hassan Whiteside, Miami, he got poked a few weeks ago, right? Really nasty. He actually had an MRI, but it was really bad. It's uncomfortable when you get poked in the eye. That's how God feels when the enemy starts messing with you. God protects us. So the same discussions being had about you and me, it's just a different pharaoh. What's the name of your pharaoh that's messing with you? Whatever is chasing you, the enemy is saying, he's my slave. But God is saying, he's my firstborn son. So the slave runs to the water, but the son comes out of the water. They went into the water slaves. They had already been set free. But as long as Pharaoh was still chasing them, like we said before, they still felt like slaves. But now, after the water, they arise as sons. How many say amen? amen? The water represents the change from slaves to sonship. From slaves to sonship. And I want to talk a little bit more in depth with respect to this because the apostle, today he mentioned about the renewing of one's mind, right? And I talked to Carly. I'm like, wow, this is what I'm going to speak about as well because it all has to do with what God is doing in you as a person. That's why your relationship with God is so key because he's not going to change you through a man that's talking here. I mean, you you're going to get blessed. You're going to get anointed. I mean, you can listen to a message and get some key facts, but your personal relationship with God, it's what's going to give you revelation about who you are in Christ Jesus. How many say amen? So there comes a time in everyone's life when we have to go through the water. Some are going through the water now, and others, in a season, maybe not far from now, you're going to have to go through the water, and it's important 
that you understand while you're in the water that there's purpose in the pain. There's purpose. Amen? Okay, I want to give you a few things that happened in this. Number one, write this down. This is the place of identification. No longer a slave of sin, but now I'm a son of a savior. It has to do with identity. Tell the person next to you, you need to know who you are in Christ. You could be set free and you could be a son, but still living like a slave. So you need to know who you are. This is where we start learning how to live differently. We start learning how to love differently. We also start learning how to give differently. It's a transition. Everybody say it's a transition. We start thinking differently. This is where we start acting like a son and stop living like a slave. This is the place where we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Because we start learning from God, from his word. We start going into the presence of God and God speaking to our hearts and reminding us who we are. That's why we believe that we can do all things through Christ who strengthened us. We believe that God is with us and he is the champion. He is the one who overcame and he's our dad. He's in our side. Man, that makes you believe that you could take on the world, not so you could think you're all that, but to understand that whenever you're going through the water, God is carrying you on his back. And you don't have to worry about it. How many say amen? You went into it a slave, but by the time you came out, you were sons. What I would like you guys to ask yourselves today is, which reality are you going to live in? What you were or what you are? Because you could be coming to church for 22 years, as long as we've had this temple, and still be living by what you were. And still be living like a slave. Why is it when people demand that you be what you are, sometimes we refer them to what we were. You hear people say, well, and give excuses for certain things. Well, you know, I, I never had a father. Or I've always been poor. Mama left us when we were three. And sometimes we feel that we can't reach certain things or we can't get over certain situations because of what we had handed to us. But if you went through the water... And God set you free, and you are no longer slave. And now God says, even if your mother and your father left you, I picked you up, and now you have a father. As a matter of fact, the king of kings, the lord of lords, that's a pretty good father to have. And now he's giving you everything. He's made you heir of all his promises, of all the things. Everything that he has is yours. He says it in his word, and, but you're still living like a slave. Why is it that sometimes we give excuses and we think that God can't prosper us? And God can't get us out of misery or God can't get us out of this painful cycle, out of this generational curses of our grandparents getting divorced and our parents getting divorced. And now we're going through problems in our marriage. And why can't we just stand up and say, God, you've given me an identity. I'm not going to be labeled as a slave of sin, as a slave of my past. Now I am everything that you call me to be. I am everything that you say that I am. I am more than a conqueror. Come on, is there anybody here that believes who God says that you are? Didn't we leave all that stuff in the water? So this is the place, the place of identification. It's the place where it all stops. Tell someone next to you, it stops right now. Maybe there's people today that you've been persecuted, you've been 
haunted by your past and, and it doesn't let you move on and, and you're labeled by it and, and you come to church and you know the word, but it's, it's like Pharaoh breathing on your neck. But you know what? I believe that God put this in my heart just to remind you that you are a son of God. God defeated your adversary and your enemy. And the only person that has labeled you now is God. It's just a matter of you believing it. So it stops now. I don't know what your it is, but it needs to stop right now. And you need to stand up in believing who God called you to be. This is the place of termination, number two. We said number one was this is the place of identification where our identity is changed from being slaves into sonship. But it's also the place of termination. He brought them to this place so it can stop right now. He brought them to the Red Sea. It looked like a problem, but you see, the Red Sea is a good drowning place. They didn't know it. But the Red Sea was the perfect place to just get rid of all these oppressors once and for all. They just didn't know what God had up his sleeves. You see, sometimes God will put you in pressure can situations. He'll put you in situations that you don't understand. You're like, God, why? Isn't there a better way? I know I have to trust you, man, but, but what? I can't see the purpose in this. And God says, exactly. You just have to trust me. Because purpose is not visible. You just have to understand that I'm working and just have faith in me that I'm going to pull you through. And in the end, it's going to be much better. So he brought them to this place so it can stop to the Red Sea. Sometimes God will allow you to get deep into trouble because the trouble is a good drowning place. How many people have you heard that they've gotten locked up for whatever situation? They were up to no good and they got locked up and they got as low as possible. And in their jail cell, they lifted up their eyes and said, God, I need to get my act together. And they needed to go through that trouble so that they could lift up their eyes and say, God, it was their water. It was their Red Sea. God took them to that place, to that low place so they could lift up their eyes and get out of that place. Not as slaves, as they, slaves to sin when they got in, but as a son now of the living God, ready to be taken to all the great things that God has in store for them. How many say amen? How many people have we heard that in their hospital bed or in their deathbed, that's when they start making amends with all their family members and all the people that they've hated throughout their lives, messed up relationships with this guy and hadn't talked to his son for 20 years. And now that they're in their deathbed, they have perspective and they say, what I've been doing all my life, I've been keeping all this bitterness inside of me and it's kept me further away from the people that I love. All of a sudden in that situation, they start mending relationships. Tonight, maybe for some of you guys, this might be a mending, defining moment. This may be your date of termination where stuff happens right here. And I wrote a few things down. Maybe this is the night where you say, this is my last drink. Or maybe this is, this is my last hookup. This is my last extra boyfriend. This is my last cigarette. This is my last horn page that I visit. I've been weak a long time, but it stops right now. I was weak yesterday. I was weak a week ago. I've been weak all my life, but it stops right now. And I believe that for some people, that night is tonight. If you believe with all your heart, the almighty God, the same God that delivered and that looked through that cloud of smoke and fire and saw the Egyptians and then closed off the Red Sea when they were persecuting and chasing after these Israelites is the same God that's going to deliver you because you are his son. You are his firstborn. Come on, can somebody give him praise for that? <laughs> Romans 6, 7, we already read it. For he who has died has been freed from sin. 
You don't owe your addiction anything. You don't owe your past nothing. Death pays all debt. And if we were dead to sin, if we went into the baptism waters and we came up to God and sincerely from the bottom of our heart, we say, God, I need a new change. I give my life and I turn it over to you. You have died to yourself and now the life of Christ is living inside of you. You don't own your past absolutely anything. I want you to write this down. This is not my quote. This is T.D. Jakes who, who said this. I loved it. He said, if you allow what happened to you to control where you are, you have incarcerated yourself. So good. I saw this and I said, I have to share it. I'm going to say it again. If you allow what happened to you to control where you are today, then you have incarcerated yourself because God has set you free. There's power in Christ to set you free from your past. You know, maybe you weren't handed all the right cards. Maybe you weren't born in a beautiful home, you know, with two parents that loved you and that cherished you with enough money so that you always had toys to play with. And maybe you were dealt the wrong set of cards. But you know what? God came to set you free from that. Because the enemy wanted to use that against you. And he wanted to tell you that you're nothing and that you'll always be nothing. He wants to enslave you. He is the modern-day Pharaoh. He wants you to live enslaved in your own mind. But Jesus came to set the captives free. How many say amen? He said, he opened up the book of Isaiah in the synagogue and he said, the anointing of God is upon me. And, and he's anointing me to do all these things. And among those things is to set the captives free. And I believe tonight people will be set free of addictions, free of that urge that you have to watch porn. And you know it's the wrong thing to do. And you know it's perverting your mind. And it's going to affect your relationship later on. You see, that's what they don't tell you. It affects your relationship once you get married because now you associate everything through the wrong lens, through a distorted lens. And now you don't know how to cherish a woman because all you see here is as a thing. And it messes with you and it messes with you. But God gives you the authority. God gives you the strength to put that away and to become a new creation in Christ Jesus and say, I don't owe you anything. I'm walking in sonship. How many say amen to that? Come on. Number three. I got two more points left and then we're done. Number three. This is the place of renewed foundation. This, the water that they're going through, this testimony is a place of renewed foundation. The place of foundation is a point of reference for the rest of their experiences with God. This, this thing that God did in the Red Sea was a point of reference for the people of Israel, for what God is going to do in the future. And, and I was doing a little bit of research, and the reason why I thought this was so important is these people will always revert to one thing. Whenever they're challenged, whenever they see opposition, whenever they see that a situation is impossible, they'll always revert to one event where God gave them a foundation. And you need to make sure you do the same thing. There has to be an event in your life where whenever your faith is challenged and whenever you're going through things that you don't understand, you could always revert to that one thing that God did for you. And you say, man, God is real. This I know. I know. I know for a fact because I've lived it. It's not something that somebody told me, but I lived through it. I saw God open the sea. I saw all of us go through to the other side and then God closed the sea again and have all the Egyptians die. I looked in the Bible and there were 31 references about the Red Sea incident in the Bible. Check it out. I can't list them all. I didn't have time to do that. But Joshua later on talks about the Red Sea. King David mentions it in Psalms. He talks about how amazing things God did about the Red Sea. This is hundreds of years later. Uh, who else? Prophet Nehemiah, Prophet Jeremiah, Prophet Isaiah 
all these prophets mention about this foundational event that God did. It was like God establishing and saying, look, I am alive. You guys are my people. And this is how you're going to remember me. I'm going to ask you guys, what is the place of renewed foundation in your own life? Because when you have that thing that God did in your life where he's shown himself great in your life, there's nobody that can come and tell you, look, read this book so you could start opening your mind to other weird doctrines. Nobody's going to tell you, look, follow this philosophy and you're going to go along with it because you know you've gone through something, right? You've experienced something. You've seen the power of God. That's why I always challenge young people and challenge if you're coming to church and you, you never seen the power of God in your life, maybe you haven't known God. Maybe you're just coming to service robotically religiously but you haven't had a personal experience with God and let me tell you it's not because God doesn't want to reveal himself to you you're just not looking because God's desire is to be able to connect with you in a supernatural level and whatever you're going through right now God has the strength to pull you out of to give you victory over that situation so that that situation doesn't drown you but that you see God with a powerful hand pick you out of the water and pull you to the other side so that you could have that foundational event and say, wow, this is my foundation. This is my foundation of faith. God is real. I look at my family, for example. Our foundational event was when God healed my grandmother. God healed my grandmother from cancer when she had 20 days to live. I wasn't around. My dad was eight years old. And I've heard these testimonies, even in this building. And these are, this is one of the things that I'm going to testify next week. I remember in this same building, my grandmother coming here and testifying herself. I remember I was in the piano and I can remember like if it was yesterday and she testified in the same building about how God and she would testify with such passion. That was a foundational event. That changed the life of my entire family. That's why my father's a pastor. That's why I'm a pastor. That's why I have my aunts, both of my aunts, my father's sisters, they're pastors because we've seen something that we can't deny. Come on, touch somebody next to you and tell them, make sure you come to this place of renewed foundation. What do you know about God? Well, this I know. I know that God is faithful because he did this. And nobody can tell me otherwise because I lived it. I lived it. There are some things you ought to know that God has proven in your life no matter what people try to tell you. It's a foundational event that God did. God has a way of putting you through a predicament that only he can get you out of. And when he does, that becomes your foundation. I'm going to ask the worship team if they can come up here. I want to have, or I want to share one last point. I want you to treasure all these points. And I'm going to, as they come up, just review them. Number one, it's a place of identification. Your identity changes from slaves to sons. Number two, it's a place of termination where everything that the enemy was doing in your life terminates, Right? And now a new beginning starts. A lot of people were melancholic about this place and leaving this place because we've been so accustomed to coming here. I mean, we don't need a Tesla. Our car drives itself over here to JTP. Come on, let's be serious, right? I mean, JTP Church, car already knows how to get here because we've been coming here for so long. But God is doing something new. And sometimes he tries to shake you out of what is comfortable to get you into everything that he's working up for the future. The place of termination. And third, we talked about that this is the place of renewed foundation. We're establishing something. This, this great deed that God is doing in our lives. And some of you guys raise your hands that you're going through pain right now. You're going through situations that are uncomfortable. Hey, you know what? Trust God in the midst of that. Because this, this could be your foundational 
your renewed foundation. This could be that foundation that God is setting so that he could show his glory over your life. And from this day till the day you die, you'll always remember that God is true to his word. And number four, this is the place of dead cancellation. How many say amen to that? Check this out. I love this. We sometimes don't tell this about the story, but the day before they left Egypt, the day before they left Egypt, Moses told them, and even Pharaoh agreed that they were going to go house by house to every single Egyptian. Now keep in mind that these were people that oppressed them for 400 years. They were just slaves. They didn't have much. They lived in the, in, in the dumps. But in, one day before, they would go house by house to the Egyptians and tell them to give them all articles of gold and articles of silver. The Bible says this. And the Bible says that these people didn't just leave empty-handed. They took an enormous amount of cattle. I don't have time to read it, but you can read it on your own. They took an enormous amount of cattle out of Egypt with them. And one version says that they took so much gold and silver that even their children were carrying it. And they were bent over by how much gold and silver they were carrying. How many say amen? You see where I'm going with this? Maybe Pharaoh wasn't chasing them for the slaves. Maybe Pharaoh was chasing them for all the gold they took. They just wiped them out. It was the biggest transfer of wealth in the history of the Bible. They wiped these people out in one day. From one day, they went from being slaves to being sons and loaded. And I'll prove it to you. Later on, once they started walking in the wilderness and God started telling Moses about the tabernacle and the temple that he wanted them to construct, Moses asked for an offering. Yeah, this goes way back when. You thought Pastor Aguero was the first one that started asking for offerings? Moses says, hey, God told us to build them a church. This is going to be a nomadic church because we got, we're moving into the promised land. So we're constantly going to be moving. It's not going to be a building, but it's going to be a tent. And there's going to be the Ark of the Covenant. And it's going to be carried by the priest. And they had to ordain priests and all. And he started asking for all these, an offering. And not just any offering, gold and silver. They gave so much that Moses had to say, all right, 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 stop, 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 stop. The transfer of wealth was so much. These people had so much gold and so much silver that Moses had to stop them from giving. I'm declaring that that anointing is coming over JTP Church because he's going to bless his people so much that you're going to overflow. Are you believing that? It was such a great transfer of wealth that the kids were, man, that's probably why Egypt, the Egyptians caught up to them. They were carrying so much cattle, all this, all this stuff, all this gold. And, and Moses here has a vision of God and the vision is provided for. And you have to literally stop people saying, hey, that's it. Don't give no more. We have enough to do what God called us to do. Everybody say the place of debt cancellation. That was, and I'll tell you where they got it. It was the wealth of the unjust. What God did is transfer the wealth of the wicked to the hands of the righteous. Not only were they blessed, but their children were also blessed. The type of blessing that's pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. Can you believe God for some of that? Can you, uh, can you maybe in this area, in the area of finances, can you maybe just, and I don't want to offend anybody, but just remove for a second 
the slave mentality of always living paycheck by paycheck and having so much that, man, you could bless people. You could open over orphanages in Africa. You could do so many good to other people. Not just so you could live like a king and people could, you know, feed you grapes with a palm tree. No, no, I'm not talking about that type of blessing so that you can help people. How many say amen? Can you see that? Can you see that coming to your life? They couldn't outrun Pharaoh because they were carrying so much. God had to deliver them. It had to be an intervention of God. This is, this is so crazy. It's such a crazy transfer of wealth. I was doing a little bit of research and I was looking it up. Could you believe that in 2014, this, is, this may sound crazy to you, but it, you can look it up in Google. 2014, an Egyptian scholar, he starts demanding the Jews to pay back all the treasures that they stole from Egypt 3,500 years ago. There's an article. Look it up in Google when you get home. An Egyptian scholar starts demanding that the Jews pay back the treasure that they stole from Egypt. Isn't that crazy? Man, that's what you call transfer of debt when they're still remembering about it 3,500 years afterwards. That's the type of blessing that God's going to give you. How many say amen? This is the place of supernatural debt cancellation. It's the place where God is going to send transfers, opportunities, favors, ideas. Come on, somebody receive this word things that your eyes have not seen that your ears have not heard you're going to be so blessed your children are going to be so blessed your grandchildren are going to be balling how many believe it come on touch two or three people and tell them i'm blessed i'm blessed stand on your feet